Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Arjun, welcome to Millennial Mind. Are you happy to be here? Yes. Are you actually? So kind of. For people who um, didn't see the behind the scenes of what just happened, I got every single stat wrong (laughs) about Arjun. Stats. I didn't know name. his last name, but he doesn't Race. want me to say his last name. So it's a bit confusing. Race, I got wrong. My last name is Artist. Artist. Okay. So we'll just keep it out of that for the podcast, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's Everything what I researched. So okay. I'm kind of literally correct. just typed into, into Google, Arjun Artist, and then everything... <laughs> everything else was wrong, so fine. Anyway, it's all good. We're here now. So. We're here now. Yes. And I'm happy to have you here. I've been be wanting here. to do this with you for a really long time, and I know yeah, you're a yes. little bit nervous to talk to me, but yeah, I'm here to Different make kind you of feel... interview for me. Normally, it's about music, so yeah, this is going to be about music. Oh, it's just going to dive a little bit deeper. So, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. so for people who don't know who you are, I'm sure everybody knows who you are, but just tell us a little bit. Gosh, you're like no, I don't think they would. Oh, you don't think they would? I thought you were like God. Everyone should know who I am. No, no, no. <laughs> no but everyone who, for everyone who doesn't know who you are, tell us a little bit about you. Right, so I am a singer, songwriter, producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of grew my fan, fan following, I guess, mainly in the kind of Asian diaspora. Uh, yeah. Make, make a kind of fusion of R&B and pop with Hindi, Punjabi, mm-hmm. Tamil, different languages. I think kind of that fusion has been my kind of my kind of key sound. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I kind of began my career in the UK. I signed to T-Series in India for four years. So I was yeah. kind of back and forth from India for, like, for a few years. Signed to Island Records in the UK, mm-hmm. Universal Music, for three years. I have these kind of parallel kind of R&B career and also Bollywood at the same time. So, yeah. I had those stats. I was going to read you them do. out. You do? Great. You read them out in front of me. So now I only have two more left. That's not a stat. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's information. And I also have, you're the most viewed UK Asian artist with over 1.1 billion views. Good. Crazy. Good, good, good research. One. Good research. Yeah, have you on that one? And <laughs> also, you've got 78 million views on T-Series, which is crazy. I mean... Look, I'm obviously joking, but saying these mm. numbers is is mad. And I guess a lot of people, when they want to start <clears> their music career, they're often told only one in a million make it. Mm. Were you told that same? Yeah, maybe not one in a million, but definitely okay. one in you know, maybe a few thousand. But I, th- I think there's definitely, um, it's, it's a harder path. If mm. I, I mean, I think in, t- in today's day and age, that there's obviously a route which is more, I guess, based off of, Instagram, TikTok, mm. YouTube. I think that there's more avenues to kind of build a following now. Right. When I first started, it was more YouTube. Actually, when I first began, it was MySpace. That, that, oh, that, that's how old I am. 
sixth form, I think, like, yeah, like right. before university. I think that that sort of time was like MySpace and then it was Facebook, YouTube. I think now obviously there's Instagram, mm. TikTok, Snap, yeah. something. So I think obviously there's, there's, there's different mediums, but I think back then YouTube was the key f for me. I think my, my, whole big, my whole career began as like a viral YouTube singer, so yeah. Right, so tell me how you started. So when did you kind of start singing and did you get training? Were you then, did you just randomly upload onto YouTube? Mm. What's your story? So I was actually in a rock band when I was like 13, 14 years old. Yeah, I, I, okay. I was in a very kind of English school, very okay. like, a, like a white school. Um, so my friends were English and when I was 13, 14, I, I was in a rock band. I literally used to spray my hair like blue, pink. I was like, like a grungy, you know, that kind of like, like kind of <laughs> metal rock band. Right. Um, so yeah, very different vibe. And then I think I was kind of, I was always around music at home. So my mom was into jazz and soul music. My, my, my dad, not so much, but my, my general family vibe is they're quite into, into kind of jazz and soul. More, mm -hmm. more so. I'm actually more of an R&B lover than I am. I love both worlds. Right. I think I'm much more into the Western stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so rock, rock band initially. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a video of that. I think that's been destroyed, luckily. Oh. My mom has a few pictures, but that was, yeah, an awkward phase. It was like me and like four really tall English dudes. And like, I was a little skinny. Asian guy with a guitar. That was pretty awkward. Yeah, anyway, so that, that was uh, kind of like 13, 14. Right. And then around sixth form, like six, 15, around 16, I, I began to kind of write kind of more, I guess like singer-songwriter kind of guitar songs. Mm -hmm. I wrote a song called Cosmic Highway. That was my, that was my first uh, like school hit in, in, in my school. That was like the, the kind of vibey, vibey okay. song that blew up. Not blew up, I mean. Yeah, yeah. blew up in school. You know what yeah. I mean, in school. Yeah. Um, and then I realized I was Asian, so right. like I kind of got in much more into the Bollywood and kind of, I guess, Punjabi and South Indian. I kind of immersed myself more in the kind of Asian world. Right. I think, so around like 18, 19, I was quite kind of, kind of dabbling between the two, kind of doing the R&B, but also a bit of Asian stuff too. And, and what then, were you yeah. doing? Were you writing or were you doing covers? Were you uploading to YouTube? Yeah, so I was writing. Uh, originally, weirdly, I began doing original songs on my own. Right. I actually did it in reverse. Normally people start with covers. Yeah. I, was, I, wrote, I wrote like three, four of my own songs. And while I was, I actually briefly worked in marketing. And while I was working nine to five, the weekends and the evenings, I was like hustling. I was like going to events and passing my CDs around That's and amazing. trying to kind of, you know, network. And, and, and weekends, I would just like, do, do these really small gigs with a guitar in like a pub with like no one watching. No way. Yeah, for like two, three years. It was, so it was literally like me and, yeah, me and a guitar pretty much. And I think that, that sort of, that phase was like, I guess the, the pre-YouTube phase. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I was on YouTube, but it wasn't like, I, I, was, I was doing my own songs. Right. The YouTube era, I would say for me, was covers mainly. Right. So I think around sort of, when was it? I think about 21, 22, I think I began to do kind of covers of actually what, what I take an Indian song and rework it into like an English R&B yep. sort of Craig David, Usher sort of vibe mm -hmm. and bring kind of my R&B flavor to like an Indian song. I think it's crazy when I hear people like you who are obviously massive now and have crowds and thousands of people watching mm. you that you started in a pub. <laughs> like with a guitar many pubs many pubs and yes. nobody nobody watching and yeah. i always find it find it interesting of how did you keep going because <laughs> i think singing and i haven't shared this before and i'm very scared to say this because i'm sure there's videos out there i used to sing when i was younger really professionally talented model singer <laughs> podcaster <laughs> but when i was younger i used to love singing and i still love singing but really? it's the one thing i'm so shy about if you ask me to sing, if you ask me to sing with you, I'd never do yeah. it. I'm, I'm too scared. No way. Because I think when I was younger, I used to always compare myself so much, and I'm not the best singer. And I, but what I still What do you sing? Like Hindi or Hindi English songs? I love them. Oh wow. English songs. Okay. I mean, I used to famously sing Titanic 
all the time okay. at every family gathering. My parents used to make me sing. Is this your, is this your, your, your pitch to do like a No, no, or? no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> okay, fine. Do you want that? No, I'm joking. But when I was younger, so, I yeah. used to, do, I got up to grade eight in singing and I used oh, wow. to love grade it. Grade eight in singing? Yeah, and I used to love it. Wow. But I was always so scared and I used to always sing pudgeons at, you know, whenever my grandma would tell me to. And then as I got older, I became even more self-conscious about singing, so I stopped. Mm. But when I m remember at a school concert, I messed up a song. And I'll never forget how I felt. And I remember everybody knew I messed what it up. Is, and what, it was, does, what does messed mm, up mean? Like just Well, the key was wrong, oh, first of all. Tune. I mean, I've had so many situations like this. I think it scarred me. When I was like 11, I sang mm. at this concert for my Gujarati school and the music didn't play. So the, the mics weren't working, sorry. So I couldn't hear the tabla player. I couldn't hear the harmonium and I couldn't hear the backdrop. So I was singing <laughs> and the music was all not in sync. So scarred from that, they had to shut the curtains, by the way, mm. midway me singing. <laughs> and then <laughs> I've never shared this before. Honestly, That's I don't know traumatic. why I'm saying this. That's very traumatic. And yeah. then at sixth form, again, the key was wrong. So I sung the song in a completely incorrect key. So I messed up. Anyway, so I think I was really traumatized by those experiences. Mm. And I guess listening to you, going to a pub and singing and nobody's there watching, my question. I've had, I've had worse than that, honestly. I've, I've had one one memory actually, one clear memory I have. Mm -hmm. So I did this, I did, when I when I began my kind of origin artist career, Right. I, I did a show with H. Thami, H. Thami, yeah, yeah. Punjabi singer, obviously. Back then he was like the, the thing, he was like the next right. sort of big, big Punjabi artist. Yeah. So it was me supporting him okay. at Sports Cafe, it's like this, venue in, in, in Haymarket, it's like okay. a club. Anyway, so I remember literally like, no one knew, no one knew who I was, right? So when, when right. you have songs like that, no one knows, yep. no one really cares. Yeah. Like you yeah. get a gig, yeah. you, people just want to hear who they yeah. know, right? So anyway, so I was literally the opening act and I went on and they handed me a microphone and the mm -hmm. microphone literally had like a wire and it was extended like about this far. Right. It was like not, a, like I literally had to like stand by, <laughs> by the booth. So I was like literally like, like falling into the booth. The stage was like, like so a tiny, funny. it wasn't his stage, it was like a little side stage. Right. And they were playing like hardcore bhangra, like in, you know, like proper bhangra. When, when guys are going, when Pujabi's going, going crazy to bhangra, right. you should not stop them. end it. Right? No, so never. So they just cut the music, they cut the bhangra in the middle of like some like big bhangra song, handed me the mic, no introduction, no like this is an origin or whatever. Yeah. And started playing my song. And they, all these guys were just like, who the, like what, what is going on, literally. And, and, and it was playing really quietly as well to add to everything, right? So I'm singing with, with this like wired microphone, like, like trying to like not trip up on this mic. And people were just like, people started booing. They were just like, they was like, get off the stage. Like, what are you doing? No. Yeah, I remember this. H. Dami knows the story too. I mean, now he does, he's, he's, yeah, a, he's a friend of mine now. Okay. But literally. You're like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dami, no, shout out yeah. to you, <laughs> ruining my life. It, well, it wasn't, wasn't his fault, but yeah, I think that, that, that was like, um, like a rude shock. I was like, oh my God, this is like, no one, no one gives, gives a, yeah, like, you can, you know, you can so swear. Can I, okay. I can swear, okay. No, Everyone's no. always shocked that they can swear on my podcast. I don't know, the vibes, yeah. It's a chill it vibe. like a PG vibe, but anyway, fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so H, uh, now we're like good friends, and now we right. do gigs together, it's fine. But I think back in the day, he was shocked that, I mean, that I was basically booed off stage. Anyway, so, so your, your story's pretty bad, like the curtain coming down's pretty pretty cringe, but like mine. <laughs> and my parents laugh about it to this day, they find it so funny. And really? I'm like, it was traumatizing. And that's why I don't bloody sing anymore. And they're like, why don't you sing? You're gonna be in the next Shreya Gosha. And I'm like, obviously every parent thinks that about their child, right? Yeah. You know? I think you have to, you have to persevere. I think that, that, that exactly well, the That was my original question. I think, I think I diverted <laughs> into my own traumatic story. Tangent, but I guess, yeah. I guess my, my question was, when mm. you have moments like that, where you're booed off the stage, or you're singing in a pub and no one's listening and no one's mm. really caring, how do you keep going? So yeah, I mean, I think I think I've been very blessed to be be quite positive in general. I think I I, I quite delusional sometimes. I, I mean, like 
my team says to me like the song's doing really bad. I'm like, no, it's it's a hit. It's, it's smashing it. And I, I always Bye. feel like everything is great. But well, not, not all the time. But I generally have quite a positive outlook in mm-hmm. general. But I mean, that gig was pretty soul destroying. Obviously, a beautiful stage. <laughs> That's not not what you can you can say to kind of redeem that. But I think that that was. Um, I think it was, I understood it. I think I've got an awareness of, of you know why things are the way they are. I think obviously right. no one knew who I was. Yeah. Context of it was pretty. You know, I wasn't given 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 a sound check. I had a rubbish microphone. Like no one. You know. So I think that was you obviously have an intro. Yeah. 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 That's really mature though, a way of looking at yeah. it, rather than like self wallowing and self pitying to be like, yeah. oh my god, this happened to me. I think honestly, even as big as I'm sure people like Ed Sheeran have have days where they're like, I, I didn't sure. sing well, or I, it, it was a crap gig, or the crowd was into it. So there's always you know th- there's always ups and downs. I think that's. As, as you know, in our in our sorts of careers, there's yeah. always going to be like a 100%. up and down kind of. Yeah, I think I think I think that's that that is the big risk you take being 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 a creator, being someone who's creative, mm-hmm. is your you could you could have a life which is a bit more I guess like like a plateau. Yes, and be maybe more con- just more content or, or I guess more stable. Le- yes, yeah. But you you choose the path of 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 yeah a high risk, high reward, and, and I think the highs are so high. They are. You go on stage, people are like chanting your name, come off stage, and your mum's like, can you take the <laughs> the dishes out the, the dishwasher, so it, like the highs and the lows are quite, you know. So, I think there's, there's, there's. I think there's always been that feeling of like the highs are so high, and you come off stage, mm-hmm. like how, how do you keep the high going? I think that's why a lot, a lot of artists do drugs. I don't do drugs, but a right. lot of artists do to kind of keep that high, high going, because mm. the high is so high. Right. How do you maintain that? And how do you, how do you be okay with a low? Life. Yeah, with like a normal, you know, when, when, when people aren't trying to tell you. Ah. Clothes off, or you know, what, what I mean. I, I think I, I saw I saw Bieber actually just just Bieber post a post about, about this actually, and, and then why the reason why people literally have have to revert to stuff like drugs is because they literally have these extreme highs and lows. How do you mediate that? How do you kind of control that kind of th- those lows? So the lows, I mean, aren't super low unless you know something bad happens. But I think normal life to see mundane at times to me. If, if I'm on tour for like a month, yeah. do a bunch of shows, you know, do like a world tour, come back home. Everything feels feels a bit, you know, watching Netflix feels a bit. Yeah. Boring, so yeah. And how do you manage that? Um. So I think it's like you know I am very I think I've reached a point now in life where I feel like I I've achieved a, a, a good balance. I think there's there's not always a correlation between being successful in your career and being happy, even though you might think that. Right. But actually, being having a, a if you have a, a pie chart of your life, let's say, and you slice it into. I don't know, social, your, your friends, your family, your yeah. relationships, whatever, your, your career. Each each people, each person has their own way to kind of slice that. I think, I think career at times, I mean, when I was younger, career was everything. Like when I was, when I kind of began my career, it was like, go, go, go. I, I miss, I miss everything. I miss a friend's weddings. I miss my, my niece being born. I miss like family, fa- I miss everything. Everything right. was like not priority because work was so Important. crucial. Yeah. yeah. I think in that kind of growing period, I was, I, was touring, I was on a flight every other day. I was in Africa, Dubai, Singapore, like just traveling like, like crazy, just doing show after show and kind of building, building that fan base. I think that, that was um, not the happiest time, honestly. If, if I was to look at it actually objective, not objectively, from, from you know, yeah, in hindsight, it was the most lucrative time in terms of like fan, fan base growing financially, fame, like whatever. Yeah. But actually, my own mental health, my own kind of like, happiness wasn't mm. the highest. I think actually now I realized that I need to see my friends and I need to see my family and I need to have like family, I mean, I have to have that time Yeah. and balance it. It's all about balance. I think that it's, it's about having everything in, uh, not moderation, but kind of, kind of balancing it all, all, all to kind of achieve that pie, that kind of pie, yeah, chart. pie chart. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that there, that there has to be times when you go for it. 
in your career. Mm. And I, I think to make it to any any kind of high level in, as, as a CEO of a company or as an artist or whatever, a podcaster, you have to just go for it. And, and, and everything, I mean, something has to give. You can't have everything. You can't so be the true. world's best boyfriend or has husband, but also be the best artist. I think yeah. you have to kind of do each, each at a different time, I think. It's so interesting because, and you stop saying it's so interesting. Everything I've heard <laughs> is so interesting. It is interesting. It is. But <laughs> for me, I think that it's really important to maintain those four things you've just said in terms of mm. your relationship, your work, yeah. your social life, and your career. Mm. Now, I'm at this point in my life where I feel I am so obsessed with the podcast and it is all I think about. It's all that I want to do. I, do I, I think that, 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 that is, this is your time. Right. I, I can feel yeah. from observing you from afar right. that this is your, kind of like the kind of exponential lift in your career is happening. I think that, that, sort, that sort of time, everything else has to take a, right. a backseat. I think yeah. whether it's a, a family thing, whatever, I think right. people should understand right. that you have, you're in a kind of unique position to really accelerate to that Absolutely. next level. I think, and if you don't do it now, because I feel like there's, there's always, you can feel it. It's like a vibe, there's an energy. There's like I can en feel it. <laughs> so, so that feeling, <laughs> I remember feeling like, it's like everything just is working. Everything's just yes. like, every, every, well, no, everything is not working. Okay, I feel like every day is like chaos, but okay, fine. I feel like every single day I will mm. sleep, honestly, three, four hours, but I'm not tired because I'm so excited. You wake excited up feeling energized, yeah. And I'm, I'm so obsessed with it. Like I really, really am. And, yeah. I, and I didn't feel like this before. And I've had this conversation with my family. I've had this conversation with my friends and I've had this conversation in my relationship mm. to let people know that it's not that they're not a priority because being a priority, and I he heard this in a podcast once by Tom Bilyeu, and he's talking yes. about his wife. And mm. he said, my wife is my utmost priority, but she is not the person I spend the most time with. Mm. But she is my utmost priority. Mm. So I've had that same conversation in my relationship to be like, you know, if you need me, I'm there, mm. but I can't have dinner midweek. I can't even with my friends meet you for a casual mm. dinner. I'll be there for your wedding. <laughs> I'll be there for your wedding events. That's good, yeah. I have my laptop with me in the <laughs> other room. <laughs> my friend got married in yeah. the summer and he was doing his registry. I and mean, in between the start and May and dessert, yeah. I was in the <laughs> other room uploading really. the podcast. Yeah, I, I, I relate to that. I, right. That is exactly the fit that I'm, I had that exact feeling where literally nothing, I woke up literally wanting to just get in studio, go and right. perform, whatever it was, but literally nothing else. I, I didn't nothing really enjoy anything else that much, if I'm honest with you. I, oh I was like, I, I, as much as I loved my partner, my wife, whatever. Right. Um, not wife at the time, but whatever, partner and family. I think it was just like nothing really gave me the same joy and excitement. I think, and of course you, you know. It's sad. This yeah. is a weird feeling because I'm feeling mm. that and I keep thinking like, have I become antisocial? No. Why am I not having fun? Why don't I want to go to these places? Why do I just want to get out and go home? Like mm. every single moment, I'm just like, I need to get home and be on my laptop. And it's just mm. become a bit of an obsession. And it's it's difficult to explain to people because obviously when you're with people and you're like, I got to go, it's hard <laughs> for them because they're like, what have I done? But yeah. I'm like, I just don't, Yeah. I just want to get on with I, it. I've been it's there. so bad. And I feel like you, I literally, I, I had no personal Facebook, Instagram I, when I was kind of, Kind of, I guess, blowing up in in, in my right. career. Right. I didn't care what people were doing. I didn't care like right. to see what people were, were where they were on holiday, what they're having yeah. for dinner. I gave no. I literally, all I cared about was it was like tunnel vision. I was like, right. I, I got to just kill this because I, I have this what, what unique chance to just you know build something amazing. Right. I think that that sort of um, that phase in your life, you have to just go for it. And every, everything else around everyone else around you, it's hard because you know they they, they might not understand it initially, but I think yeah. if they really really love you, they understand it. it. They I get it. 
And I think it's hard because people are seeing that I am stressed and people mm. are messaging me like, I hope you're not burnt out or you need to take a break. Like I've, mm. people in my family are like, you're looking too skinny, you really need to stop it. And I'm like, you don't understand, I love it. <laughs> like this isn't making me stressed, this is making yeah. me feel happy. And like exactly. I canceled three holidays this year no and I literally don't care. Like genuinely, yeah. I've canceled Ibiza, really? I canceled Dubai, I've canceled. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm a different place to you at the moment. I think yeah. I'm, I'm in the opposite phase where I feel like I'm actually. Right. But that's the thing. It's all about like you know context and timing. I think 100%. like everyone. There's, there's phases of life, right? There's Definitely. obviously phases where you you, you prioritize. You. I've talked to artists, friends of mine. Most of my artist friends have 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 babies and have families. Right. And they've chosen to take like a year off from touring or like or just slow down. Yeah. Because of course that's a, a key key time in life where you should be there for family. Yeah. But then they're back on the road and then they're back to touring and they're back to gigging. And I think it takes certain kind of women or, or man to understand that sort of all-consuming thing. And you need to prioritize different things at different times. So exactly. for me, my career is my most important in a year's time. It may be something exactly. else and that's fine. Yeah. One thing I think people don't know about you, which I also got wrong, which you're really mad at me about, <laughs> is that you went to Cambridge. Yes. Crazy. Why is that crazy? Because I look like a... <laughs> First of all, you look like you're 15. Oh, so thank you. Hey, I'll take that. <laughs> I know how to win you over again. Um, but, yeah. you know, obviously you, you, were, you were... Just to clarify, she said Oxford originally. So I, I, had to, I had to clarify it. Don't tell someone from Cambridge who went to Oxford. That's like the worst. Okay, sorry. Cambridge, you went to. Mm. Yeah? Yes. I thought I got it wrong again. I was like, oh, <laughs> which one is it? No, but obviously you went Where to... Where did Cam you go to university? Warwick. Okay. So, I mean, I wish I went to Oxford and Cambridge. Pray my kids every day go there. I went to visit Cambridge and okay. it's the most amazing place in the world. Mm -hmm. What did you study? Have a guess, I'll give you a guess. I'll give Economics. you two guesses. Economics. That's too obvious. Maths. Mm. What? No. Okay, what? Think like artistic, think buildings. Architecture. Mm. No way. Yeah. So you're a genius? No, not, not at all. I think it's, it's, more, it's more, I think it's more kind of artistic than it is cerebral, like typical, I guess. Academia. My, my, my family's very academic. My, my, my entire family have PhDs apart from me. My mum, dad, brother. Wow. So I'm, like, I'm like the black sheep. <laughs> yeah. So you went to Cambridge, you yeah. studied architecture. How many years is that course? So the BA is three years. Right. The full training is seven years, but I realized I wasn't going to be an architect. So I think I, you can still work as an architect after okay. the BA. Right. But um, the, the BA was enough for me. I wasn't going to so be an architect. So you were doing music at the same time? Yeah. So this one kind of that, that phase where I was doing the kind of soul destroying like open mic I was Mad. just with the guitar and no one, no one caring but that was it was a like university I think a lot of it was actually in Cambridge like these kind of open mic nights in Cambridge and that actually was um uh a very I guess key phase in terms of character building but also in terms of finding my sound I guess I think that was obviously there's, there's no pressure of having to make make money obviously right. you know that's just just like a, a good time to just try and find your find your your, your sound your, your yourself yeah. I guess so so you studied architecture and then you were like, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. And you realized music was 100% the career path you wanted to take. N yes, but I wasn't sure how to make money from it. So obviously right. like it, it was a hard thing to kind of monetize. I think there's obviously, there's a, there's a, there's a <laughs> so my dad was like, yeah. okay, fine, you got a degree, but how are you gonna make money from, you know, cause my, at 18, I was like, I'm gonna be a singer. I'm gonna be like a songwriter, right. producer. So actually my, my main passion was actually being in a studio and actually writing and making music. So like making beats, you know, yeah. production is like yeah. okay fine so like like dr dre or yeah people like that so like literally composing music so i think that that was my my biggest passion more than singing right um and then yeah and then i think that phase um post uni i was working in marketing and uh so, so my boss at my job actually was such a legend so he literally he was my biggest fan this right. indian guy okay and he would like he would like arjun like he's american he's american he's like arjun like beatbox for like like in a meeting he'd be like when you beatbox with these guys or like he, he was like 
like a proper fan. So what a beatbox for us now. I can't, no, not anymore. <laughs> Back in the day, because I'm 21. Anyway, so yeah, so basically, so he told my dad, he was like, listen, well, actually not really, but he kind of, my dad's pretty chill. I'm right. not gonna paint him as being some crazy yeah. militant dad, but I think he, he was concerned as any, I, I'd be concerned if my, my parent, uh, kid wanted to be, you know, a singer or dance or whatever. So I think, I think that was, there was no kind of viable, easy option in terms of like, I mean, kind of going uh, from being at Cambridge to kind of be, being a singer, how do you how do you make that make that work? I mean, versus like obviously busking is not the ideal thing, right? So I think think for him, um, what happened? Oh yeah, so, so, so I think I had a song while so while I was, was working marketing, I was on YouTube kind of doing covers. I think that's right. when I began the whole kind of fusion uh, experiment. Right. There's a song called Why This Color Very Deep. It's like a, it's like a South Indian song. I you bloody that song. love that song. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So that cover actually went like viral at the time. I remember hearing that. That's my, yeah. that's when you did that. Was that was the first, yeah, like I guess my, my first breakthrough. And that song, um, yeah, so that song was, was, was literally, so that song went so viral that I, I get booked for shows in like Toronto, Malaysia, Singapore. They're like, can you come and sing that one song and fly back? So yeah, I was flying across the world. I remember once I, f I flew to Auckland, New Zealand, 27 hour flight. I was there for 24 hours. I did the gig, no. flew back. But when I do the gig, I'd like tweet saying, come meet me in this cafe. And then fans would just show up and I'd like sign t-shirts and whatever oh else. So it was very like organic kind of, kind of fan growth, I guess. But, um, and I, I do like, I do like media. So I do like TV and radio interviews when I was there. Oops. And <laughs> I guess kind of, it was, it was a very gradual, it, was, it wasn't like a crazy curve. It was a kind of gradual growth, I think. Um, right. Which actually was good in a way. Cause I, kind of, I was able to kind of grow at the same time as a person. as Because right. you look at like child stars who are like 15. Yeah we're thrust into like the limelight when they're like too young to live life. I think it's, it's yeah. hard to, I guess the, the, the incline is so high and the fall is often quite quite steep. Yeah. I think that was a good thing that I was able to kind of, you know, live life at the same time. Like, anyway, so, so what was I talking about? Come on, a tangent. You, My dad, yes. Uh, yes. So for those, that song. Yeah. yeah, so that song went viral. We started doing shows like crazy. Every, every weekend I was like in a different country. Like, Did you quit your job at this point? No, I was working. <gasps> so I remember I was working and my boss was like, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you still, like he, he'd see like on my Facebook, I was like, I swear you were in Malaysia last weekend. Or like, what are you doing back at work on Monday morning? And I was like, yeah, like, I don't know. Cause I was still wasn't making that much money for when I was with you. So the breakthrough for my dad, I did the Sri Lankan, sorry, the World Cup theme song. And my dad's a big sports fan. So when, I, when I did the Cricket World Cup theme song, he was like, okay, fine. And his friends were like, your son is like on TV and stuff. That was when he was That's like, okay, fine. But anyway, so I think, yeah, so I, I took the plunge as you just did as well, right? You yeah. took your job. Yeah. That was nerve wracking. Cause obviously the next day you wake up, you're like, there's no actual income coming in unless I go and make it, right? Happen. So I think that was a, when it's a passion, when it's a hobby, it's, yeah. it's just pure joy and it's pure enjoyment. But when, when, when it's your career, you have to find a way to monetize that. Joy, so and when you're desperate to make it a career as well, I feel like for the past mm. three months it's got harder because I'm like really yeah. wanted to quit. Mm. But like you said, I feel like if you don't take the risk now, I never will. And so I still, I think for the first couple of weeks I was so excited. Now I'm getting into the phase where I'm like, oh my god, what have I done? Really? <laughs> I'm like shit, 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 <laughs> shit. Um, but yeah, no, I think, that, I think that, that will that will go away. I think. I'm yeah, sure. with time. Yeah. So you're obviously growing exponentially at this point. You quit your job, mm -hmm. you've done the World Cup song, you're touring. You got mm. millions of views on Facebook. And were you married at this point? No. Okay. So when did I you I think I've just married? I just began dating okay. Tash. Mm -hmm. So actually Tash and I uh, was, was kind of parallel to I think she kinda of was there before I kind of blew up, I guess. And right. not blew up, but whatever you call you know. Yeah. Built a fan base. I think and then she was um initially I'm not gonna lie, it was really hard. I think it was it was hard for her to underst understand 
the shift from suddenly from me going for dinners and suddenly that everyone wants to take a picture with you and it was like a very different sort of vibe. Hundreds of girls and being like, I love you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know hundreds of girls, but yeah. There's definitely like a um, an awkward phase where I think she was trying to adjust to it. I wrote a song about it called A Stargazer. Actually, that song literally is about asking a girl to kind of be there for you oh. while you try and make sense of this sort of, you wow. know, leaving a, a nine to five to p- pursue a passion. And just being like, can you just, you know, hold on for a little bit until I find my feet? And so that that, that song actually, we were actually on a break and that song, when she heard it, she's like, okay, fine, I think I'm going to try and actually give this guy a shot because he, even though he's, he's a mess right now, maybe he'll, he'll make it and, you know, whatever. So I think that was, like, I've always kind of expressed a lot of my feelings in songs. I think that that was obviously um, one of my most meaningful songs back in the day. Anyway, so, mm-hmm. so back to Tash. So she, she was, um, she actually initially was, she's a doctor. Right. Um, very, very smart girl herself. But um, to kind of make things easier, she actually joined my team. It kind of be- began right. part of my... So my mum and Tash were like a little duo, like a little momager and wifeager sort of tag yeah. team. And they're very similar and they both kind of had this... Uh, so they're kind of like... I'm quite a beta and they're both quite alpha. So I think they, they were like... they're happy. So I'm, qu- I'm happy to let people run my life. Apart from right. in my career, I'm, I'm quite... Yes. Like I'm... What's the word? Like a, an alpha, I guess, in that right. way. But everything else, what to have for dinner, what to, where to go on holiday, what to do in the weekend. Like, like, I'll, I'll go, I'll, yeah, I'm pretty chill. So I think mm-hmm. so, so, so having having her as part of the team, she brought that alpha energy. I think as, as on tour, she was very, you know, everyone knew Tash. And, you know, not going to trifle with her. She was she was, she was was on point. I think so. And then my mum and her together, and, some, and some, you know, Samir and some other people yes. you know, kind of built, built, built quite a strong team. And then, yeah, so kind of for many years, she was touring with me. And it was actually, we kind of kept it quite private mm. um, that we were dating. It wasn't like a, it wasn't okay. like a, a known thing. Uh, people with, within our friend circle knew. Of course. In, the industry knew. Um, but the kind of, I guess, the wider world didn't know about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And how long were you married for? So we were dating for about uh, eight or nine years. But we got married wow. for only six months. Yeah, six we months. got married 2018. And then she passed away in, in September that year. So very uh, sudden kind of un- undiagnosed heart condition, um, which literally had no idea about. So it was total, total shock. She was very healthy, didn't smoke, didn't drink, literally had no sort of vices. I mean, I, I drink and I yeah. party a lot and whatever, but, but she was totally, you know, opposite. So I think, yeah, total shock to us, really. Yeah. So when you're obviously growing and you have this fan base and you are on social media <coughs> a lot talking about your career mm. and you have to be in a state of mind to write songs mm-hmm. how did that how did her death affect you in that way i think i mean it's like a, it's like a, it's like a hard reset obviously everything has to just stop completely um mm. so i left music for a while i wasn't really wasn't touring it was a right. bit of a zombie really for a few months of course. uh so yeah i'm just kind of literally at home with with fa- with a family and friends just literally just being being like a zombie and i, th- I think that that kind of early phase of, of grief I was lucky because I didn't have to go to an office and work. I think I've had friends who've lost their parents or their siblings and they just had to go back to work. And they kind of, kind of I guess they just divert their, their minds from it. But I think I was able to kind of face the grief quite head on. I obviously had kind of, initially there's obviously that disbelief of has it actually happened. And so outside of the kind of frame of your thinking completely, right? I think there's mm. a total shock. But I was able to fa- actually face with the grief early, quite, quite early on. And I guess, right. you know, kind of process it and, and deal with it. And just did nothing. Literally, was a zombie. Didn't leave the house for for a long time, and then yeah, kind of about six months later, I think I began to just ease back into doing bits and bobs here and there. Kind of doing, you know, just 
not really touring, but just kind of doing bits of work yeah. here and there. I think I think when I got back into, so I didn't check my Instagram for like literally like six months. I was off Instagram completely. No, no, no. Nothing. They didn't want to see anything. And when I came back onto, onto Instagram and, and, and I saw that the amount of love and support there was, actually it was, it was quite like a nice, warm kind of mm-hmm. feeling. So I think that actually um, made me think, okay, I should kind of get back into into kind of gigging again and get, get back into like the normal kind of uh, cycle of life. So I think about nine months after I passed away, I was kind of back doing shows here and there. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think it kind of, the whole thing, I think kind of humanized me. I think there's definitely an effect of like mm. people are able to uh, kind of connect with, with you on a more human level. Before that was more like Arjun the singer. Right. Now it's like people who've lost a loved one, you know, whether it's a, a sibling or a wife or husband or whatever it might be, are able to kind of connect. I, I can feel that kind of, I, 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 I think, I, yeah, I think I have more empathy. As I've, I've, I've learned to kind of go deeper as a person. Um, and yeah, I have, I have more empathy. I, I understand people's pain a lot more. I think that's helped me kind of understand what it is to, what it is, to, is to be human. Honestly, like the kind of the human experience is actually, it's not just about being happy all the time. It's actually about feeling those lows mm-hmm. and actually feeling the lows. Like th- there's no harm in feeling it. Just right. actually just, you know, we're, we're taught that we should, we should be happy all the time. But actually, if you're sad, just be sad. Like they don't have to like try and dive out yourself back to being happy. Just 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 be sad, like kind of, I guess, f- feel the emotion and process the emotion and, and sit with it. It's uncomfortable, but if you're mm-hmm. able to sit with it and you're able to face it head on, I think that actually helps you to to kind of move past it. Well, not, not move past it, but I guess be able to heal from it. Some, I think somewhat. people are so different as well. So some people really need to feel that emotion, shut away for six months, kind of like how you did. And some people like the fact that they can go into an office and kind of forget about it. And yeah. that's how they deal with it. Cause yeah. I'm someone like you that like has to process an emotion and I have to think about it. I have to think about, I have to like talk about it. Mm. I have to experience it. And then I can be like, I'm sad. But and I'm, not I'm, like, I'm not normally like that. I'm actually normally like more like a typical right. guy, I guess. And I'm, I'm good at kind of compartmentalizing it and putting it, putting it to a side. But I think with this one, I had no choice because I literally, I was, I couldn't do anything. I was, I couldn't function. So I think that was, I mean, Karen, you were saying, yeah. so, but, so you usually would, you would face something, <laughs> okay. would face something head on. So I think for me, normally I, I'm much more of a, like a distractor. Like I'd, I'd, I'd do something else to kind of get my mind off it. Mm. Um, but that, that was a different kind of, I think that was a different, total different uh, kind of level of, of pain. So I, I couldn't really just, put it to a side mm. if, I, if i have a small argument with someone i'm able to just like put it put it in a box really go and write a song or do a gig whatever and come back and, and but uh, most girls i've, I've been with yeah, they're, they're like no, i can't <laughs> well, i'm going to talk about it right now in this second yeah <laughs> i shout uh, yeah so that i've that i've seen but yeah it's difficult i think when you're in the public eye mm-hmm. when something happens and that could be in terms of anything but let's talk about in the situation with grief did mm. you address it with the public in what way oh did you mean you the grief people? The what grief was, or the, what, what did happened? Did you tell people what happened? Yeah. Or did people already know? No, so actually, weirdly, it was like a, a double whammy because I think I announced that, that was, we were married and that she passed away at the same time. Okay. So I think fans kind of knew that we were probably d- dating. I think they kind of right. worked it out, but there, there was, it wasn't officially announced. I think so there was quite a double shock, the fact that she was my, because she, she was like Tash, the kind of PA, PR, right. Arjun team member. And, and right. then obviously she was known as being my, my wife. I think there was a, a double shock, but yeah, we announced it. And, um, yeah, I think I think I wanted to kind of honor her and, and make people aware. I think she, she was she was very b- 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 kind of behind the scenes mm. for most of my career, mm-hmm. and it was like the Arjun show, and she was like the kind of engine right. that was running it. So right. I, think I wanted to make make her the kind of focus of you know. So there was a song I wrote about her concert we did for her. I think I wanted to kind of yeah shine a light on on her. 
So yeah. And I was just gonna say, I've, I've seen you do that quite a lot. And I see mm -hmm. you still talk about her and you still like write songs about her. And I think that's really mm -hmm. lovely because obviously she was a massive part of your life. Yeah. How does that translate into your life at the moment though, in terms of if you were mm. to meet someone else? Yeah, it's tricky, it's tricky. Grief is a funny one with mm. that because even for people who have lost their partners, and you can only really talk about it in this situation because you don't really get, well, I guess actually when people are married and let's say they've lost their parents, mm -hmm. some people find it very hard to say mom and dad to the new sets of parents. Yeah. Or, you know, with a relationship, it's very difficult to mm -hmm. say, I don't love that person anymore because I am someone who believes that when you love someone, you love them forever. It doesn't mean you're obsessed with them or you think mm -hmm. about them or you, but there is love there. There is love, yeah. It, I mean, tricky one. I think, I think there's definitely, um, it's a hard balance to strike. I think that there's obviously, with a breakup, you kind of close, you kind of hard yes. close the door, no interaction with their family. It's like, you just, that's it, they're gone. And right. there's, there's no kind of, there's no real, what's the word, like leftover kind of stuff. Communication, yeah. I think with, a, with, with someone passes away, obviously their family is still very close to me, a family and my family, well, I, was, I was married to her. I think that, that feeling of, um, I think we became closer actually, because obviously through that kind of shared loss, uh, I spent a lot of time with them, yeah. you know. So I think that that's made me kind of more close to them. I think so. I think that that's obviously a hard thing for someone to to, to handle. Uh, people like Ria Ferdinand, his wife passed. Uh, his wife passed away, really? and I think he did a documentary about it. Yeah, I didn't know that. watch the documentary. It's, got, it's really good. I think so. There's, it's I see, in a way I guess it's easier that I have no kids. That that would be even harder. Mm -hmm. I think there's there's definitely um, it's a hard balance. I I have found it hard to kind of meet someone and be able to like explain that this person still a presence of some kind, not like, yes. not, she's not like come back in my life, but she's, she's, she's been part of my career, part of my family. I think, think that, and also cause she, she was so kind of deeply involved in my, in my career mm. and, and the fans knew her. My, literally I, I, I would go on tour to like a, a country and Tash would have her own fans. They, they, they were like, oh my wow. God, we're so like, you know, we're so proud of you that you're able to, you know, kind of do, do all these, be a doctor and also be, be a manager Amazing. and a tour manager, whatever. So I think, so she was, she was definitely a very unique, uh, person, I think there's, I yeah. think that her kind of, um, yeah, I think that can be a little bit of a, a tricky one to to kind of, I guess, what's the word, to to balance, but yeah, yeah, gets easier and easier with time, I guess. Of course, and I think that's four years now. I think with so many things, you don't know how to figure them out at first, and mm. so your mental health at this time is probably quite hard, right, to manage. At that it's time, hard yeah, to yeah, manage. that time was crazy. How mm. did you manage it and kind of get back into, I guess, a better way? I think I am very. I think I'm very lucky to be to be quite blessed to be able to just be quite positive in, in general as a person. I think yeah. I'm, I've always generally had quite like a. I do love life. I think I, I've never kind of questioned life and like I, yeah. I, there was obviously the first few weeks was obviously a very dark time. But I think I've always had a lot that I wanted to achieve. You know, I, I think I have a lot of purpose. I have a lot of um, right. ambition. I just enjoy like a lot of things. I, I enjoy like so. I'm quite kind of extrovert in some ways. I'm I'm, I'm like. Extra, but also introvert in some, yeah. some ways. I th I'm, I'm very, I love people, right? But, but I have my, my own time too. So I think I'm definitely enjoy friends and family and food and travel. So I think there's, there's a lot that I, I at the moment I'm the opposite of you. I feel like I'm actually balancing it probably the wrong, maybe too much away from career and more right. like I'm booking holidays. You're like cancelling. Yeah, so I'm booking like Ross and me. So I think for me, because I, I have had phases where I literally exactly. I've done nothing but work literally for like two three years nonstop. I literally have been go 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 taking a flight every two, three days, I've just been on a plane right. and building a fan following and actually just being so absorbed by that, that I've, I've missed out on other things. I think, but, but I didn't feel like I was missing out at the time. Right. But now I feel like 
yeah, I just want to enjoy everything else. So, For sure. So why not? So how do you manage your mental health now with kind of like balancing everything? <laughs> kind of, I guess that there's also a fear of, and I don't know if you have this, but when you're not mm. working hard, you want to be, and then you're like, oh no, but I want to relax. I can yeah. do this. I have a lot of guilt over not yeah. working hard. I think yeah. I've been brought up to feel like I should always be working hard, like academically, but also just in general in life, I should always be working. Right. But actually, why? Like, I mean, <laughs> not why, but like, I feel like there's so much fun stuff to do. I feel like right. I've built a foundation as well. I think there's, as an artist, there's always this really hard struggle. I think it's the hardest thing which, which I have to deal with is that there's a, there's, a, there's a way of being content where you kind of plateau, I guess, and you don't grow so much in, in terms of career, but you're very content and everything feels good and you're kind of, kind of happy and everything's kind of just flowing and it's fun, mm -hmm. but you're not really, you're not pushing yourself to achieve the next big thing in your career, right. which, which actually I battled with. Cause I'm like, at the moment I feel like I'm in that phase where I'm just very, I had COVID. I was not able to go out for like a year. So obviously I'm enjoying being able to like go to people's right. weddings and birthdays and just be, be out and about and I guess live life. I think yeah. there's a lot of life that we didn't live for like a, two, a year and a half with COVID. So I think that, sure. that this period now I'm prioritizing that, but mm -hmm. I definitely have this internal guilt. Like I should be making more music. I should be touring more. I should be doing more. Yeah. But I am touring a lot. But yes, I was just yeah. going to say, I feel like you're away <laughs> all the time. But compared to what I was before, I literally, I never saw anyone. I had no wow. social life at one point. Actually, I was just like, people would literally give up on me. They're like, there's no point inviting him to stuff anymore because he's not going to show. And now, I think I think post-Tash passing away, mm -hmm. I really connected with friends a lot. I think my friends were so amazing in that time. They literally were like in my house mm -hmm. all the time, like on a rotor for like six months. My, my house was full of people. It was, it was like, a, like a dorm room full of like, literally, it was literally like full of people all the time. <laughs> Which actually was really weirdly quite nice. Even yeah, obviously you need you're, it. you're going through this crazy grief, but actually you have this amazing like support there. I think so that really made me appreciate how important friendships are. How important people are. I think also, if you lose someone that close to you, you, you either become very bitter, you kind of yes. start to think like, oh my God, yeah. what is the world about? Or you become very grateful for what you do have. So you have your true. parents, you have your friends, your, your siblings, whatever. I think for me, I realized that I'm, I'm so lucky, blessed to have a lot of people that, that love me, well, hope they love me, maybe they don't, but I mean, that I love at least, yeah. and that I'm able to have that sort of network. I think I think for me, I've always operated, even in music, I've, al I've always been a, a collaborator. I, I, I like to kind of work with people. I like to kind of share people's energies. I'm a very energy-based person. So Same. if I was to meet someone <laughs> and we just vibe, then I'd always want to work with them. So you want to do the club? No, I've actually- We're filming, you can only slide, you know? I've actually done, um, Two Budgeon albums. I produced two Budgeon albums. Oh, for God's sake! I'm not doing Budgeon collab. Oh. Okay, that was like God. <laughs> but while, but while we're here, you might have some 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 uh, you know Budgeon loving people here. So check out the Budgeon project by Bali. Right. Sorry. Oh, I Shameless love her. Plug. Do you? She's great. Why don't you get her on this podcast? Yeah, I should. She's like a really good friend of mine. One She's of lovely. Friends. Yeah. She's actually really good. Really good. I do get. love her Budgeons actually. Okay, fine. So there you go. I, I made those albums. I produced them. <gasps> Did I, I, you? I sang them, but I made the music. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Very good. Okay, maybe you. we will collab it on was, the budget space then. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think, you know, it's so crazy to see your growth and so amazing to see everything that's happened. But mm. working in a world where you have fans, mm. I think some people don't really understand it because mm. a lot of people can catch you on a good day where you're feeling great and mm -hmm. that's great for them, right? Like fans will love you. And like you said, they make montages and they like make all these accounts for you. And like, it's mm -hmm. a bit crazy. Mm. Have you ever had anyone stalk you? Um, kind of. I mean, when I was younger, right. I have people like, 
like there was, a, there was a cab driver who dropped me off from the airport. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my, 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 my daughter's a big fan of yours. And like, and, and I started talking to him about this. And then like the next day, like, we left my house and him and his daughter were like outside the house. I mean, that's not a stalker, but I guess they were just okay. there. Right. And then they were like, I had to sign some stuff. And I think I met them like two, three times after that because they kept showing our faces like that. Word. So that wasn't a stalker, but right. I think as a guy, it's, it's less scary. I think a female stalker is not the same as, for probably sure. for you, it's maybe, maybe more scary if yeah. you're a male stalker. Like a bit, bit more freaky, but yeah, not really. It's it's more so. I mean, I feel just it's it's love. I don't feel like it's I don't yeah. take it as creepiness. I think it's okay. more like you know I don't, I don't take it as like someone's a crazy person if they've made a effort a montage to come outside or, your house. Yeah, there's one girl I'm in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> not my not, not my house. It's someone outside your <laughs> house. Made the effort to break no. in. Made the effort to break into my <laughs> they house. They break in, have coffee. Yeah. I mean, I just see it as Give love. Them props. <laughs> 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 no, so there was this girl actually in in Toronto who um she she made this this book like a thick book of like hundreds of pages okay. of like photos of me from like birth to like that okay. point. Pictures that my mum had never even seen. I was like, how, I don't know how she found this. Like, literally, it was like, it was so touching though. Was your also rock a picture bit scary. in there? Was huh? your rock band picture in there? Yes. <gasps> Everything was in there. Literally. I'm going to message her. Yeah, I won't tell you your name. I, <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was, um, it's not stalkerish, but I think that's obviously yeah. a bit extreme. And then I think you have the other side mm -hmm. of when somebody catches you in a bad mood or yeah. let's say you're in a rush or let's say you're busy. Mm. And people then troll you or attack you. Mm. Have you ever had that? Uh, I have obviously had, I mean, if I was to look deeply into my comments on YouTube or somewhere, I probably, I'm sure I'd find abuse. Yeah. Everyone would find <laughs> abuse. But um, that's really, I mean, I genuinely, generally, it's, yeah. it's mainly quite positive. Yeah. As you say, obviously, there, I'm sure there's people who, you know, misconstrue if you're like just in a, in a rush or you're busy or something and people would think that you're just not friendly, but obviously mm -hmm. it's hard to be always on. I think that's, that's it's quite draining. People don't understand actually, like my mum my, my, my was always like, why are you so tired after events? Like you're just going to party. But actually it's a lot of it is like network, as you probably know, it's like it's mm -hmm. networking. It's like showing, I guess you have to kind of show. Love. Yeah. You have to be happy. Yeah, yeah but be like, exactly. Hey. Uh, yeah, I just take a lot of pictures. I think yeah. my, my face hurts by the end of it. It sounds a bit, bit diva-ish, but like no, I understand. there's obviously like, you know, it is, it is a definitely, um, it's a, 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 quite like a, unique experience as you're probably learning yourself now it's mm -hmm. obviously just it's a different feeling to kind of have a fan like what is a fan it's quite right. weird like it is people genuinely just love you and i think that is amazing and i'm actually i take it for granted for a long time i think when i was younger i was like oh it's just numbers i'm just building fans and I'm whatever but actually when you when you're away from it from a while you realize that that's actually a human being mm. taking the time to like draw a picture of you or like yeah. you know buy your album or come to your show I think, you know, it's an amazing feeling and actually that that is i feel like i'm much more tuned into that post-touch passing, I think I've, I've definitely learned that empathy and general yes. feeling of connection with people, I feel more connected to people in, in general. I think so, so I think that feeling of like, someone a stalker, I wouldn't call them a crazy fan, I would never call them crazy now. Back yeah. in the day I might be like, oh, what, what the hell is this like weird, weird person? Yeah. But now I'm like, it's love, like it's amazing. Yeah. And I, being loved is, 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 is a key to life. To love. Love is loved. the key, love is the key to life, so yeah. I mean, when I mean stalker, I mean someone who's like, <laughs> you know, or like not someone in a dangerous like a way. Yeah, in a dangerous way. That's what I meant. But you yeah, know, I've not had that. She's honest with you. Yeah. yeah, that's that. You're really lucky because I think a lot of yeah. people I speak to, they are going through that. Stalkers. Where people are finding them and people really? are like turning up to the house and people are sending them things. And doing what? Sending things I've had, but but in what no, but way? Like sending in like a dangerous roses way. and sending like cards and being like, mm. I'm waiting for you outside here. Okay. It's scary. That I had that once in New York. Actually, once I had that. Someone sent me like a, like a care package, but it was like a. It was a bit of a weird one. Like, cause like I, I saw you here and I saw you there and da, 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 and they like they knew everything that I was doing. That's, That's a bit weird. scary. Yeah. Yeah, I would be freaked out by that. I'd probably run a mile. <laughs> but it's it's you know yeah. your your journey is amazing and what you're mm. doing now is incredible. 
And for me, you know, you've been so open on this podcast and I really appreciate that because I know that's hard. (laughs) You're normally used to like music podcasts. You're talking about your (laughs) song. But for me, you know, I think a lot of people don't see that side of you. A lot Mm. of people didn't know you went to Oxford. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think a lot of people didn't know that you went to Cambridge and didn't Mm. know that you struggled, you know? People just think when you see your journey that, you know, you started young and you made it. And and that's what happens. uh, Honestly, yeah. I mean, sorry to interrupt, but the the, the key to to, to life, I've, I've learned through Stephen Barlow amongst other people as you one of your favorites but one of my favorites too but I think that you do you learn so much more in the L's in the losses whenever you when you fail fine it might be embarrassing publicly but actually you learn so much more about yourself about everything like songs of mine that haven't done well I've learned so much more from the experiences Mm. as a person you you grow Mm. more I think as an there's 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 the artist side but there's also the the human side I think as a person you 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 just yeah you, you become more Resilient, you just yeah. learn how to deal with stuff and, and, and kind of what's the word, I guess, uh, kind of navigate life in a, in a more efficient way. Every time something bad happens to me in terms of I fail at something, does something doesn't go well, I always say to myself, it's going to be such a great story. Yeah, exactly. And I feel that now when I talk like about the curtain my... coming down when you're right. Talking. I mean, I've never told anyone that. I can't <laughs> believe I shared that. But every time something mm. does go wrong, all I think about is how am I going to tell the story, and it's going to make the story even better because I know I'm going to make it. And mm. so when I do, mm. how amazing that this failed, and how amazing that this podcast got two views because yeah. that's a better story than saying, yeah, when I start started my podcast, I was number mm. whatever. You know, it's much. Think, exactly. And that's how I cope with my problems. Is I just say. The story will be great at the end. Mm. So great that this happened. But, but I think this the journey you're on, like the journey is the fun part. It's the fun part. The destination it's is not so the fun part. It's so much more so fun. I've always, I've had so many targets that, I, that, I've, that I've reached that I feel like I've just not been as gassed about, or as, as excited yeah. by. Whereas actually the, 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 the fun part of just being with, like doing dumb stuff with friends while on the right. journey or things that have gone wrong or just or, or funny episodes you've had. Yeah. That's what makes it, makes your life kind of, I guess. Yeah. I guess diverse and yeah. And trying is way more fun to think like, mm. oh my God, I can't wait till I hit this stat or I can't wait to hit this. Mm. Then when you hit it, you're just like, okay, whatever. Exactly. You know, but aiming for Always it and thing. trying is way more fun and way more exciting. So mm. we finish this podcast with- Oh, is that it? We're done. We're done. Oh. But we finish it survived. with- um, Yeah, you did. You did well. <laughs> we finish it with a truth or dare. Oh. So you haven't survived just yet. No, okay, fine. Which do you pick? Oh. Truth uh. or dare? <laughs> Dare seems a bit like extreme. Okay, ma- okay, maybe maybe a dare. You want a dare? I dare I you to beatbox. Oh my god! <laughs> to get truth. <laughs> I can't beatbox anymore. You want to do truth? It's the truth. You want to dare? Okay, can I dare you to sing a song? No, I said truth. You said dare first. Actually, I switched to truth. No, well, I, I, you're, you're fine. off dare now. So fine, I'll give you truth. Yeah. What was the name of your time where you performed? Mm-hmm. And you had to perform really well. And because I think when you're a performer, you have to sing so eloquently and with so much love and it's all about your vibe by the way right like in your voice mm-hmm. your energy like you said mm-hmm. but you actually f- were going through a really hard time yeah many times many times i think there's um, i mean i mean post tash stuff obviously there's, there's a lot of sh- lot of shows i think that the one of the biggest sh- biggest shows i've ever done uh the london mellow it's like the biggest i guess mellow in the uk the biggest festival uh 2019 after tash passed away i think that was like the first big show i'd done and I was super sad because I think Tash, Tash was always like one of my kind of main kind of shared goals was to, was to headline that. As a kid, I, I watched like Jay Sean and Rugg, all these, all these guys do that. So I think for her, not to be there, but also me to do it at the same time, it was very kind of bittersweet. Mm. So I did like, did, did like a big tribute to her at the show. That, that, was, that was pretty painful, but also 
amazing at the same time. So yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for being so open. Wow. <laughs> and I really appreciate it. So thank you. Hey everyone. Thank you so much.